0: good to see everyone today so thankful you are here worshiping with us on this beautiful morning If it is your first time with us, I hope you received a connect card on the way in. If you did not, be sure you get one on the way out and take a moment to fill that out. And then right after service, we just want to say hello to you. We want to give you just a little gift for being here with us today just to say thank you. So be sure you do that uh, before you leave. You can uh, get one and turn it in uh, in the uh, foyer. So be sure you do that before you leave uh, this morning. Uh, I just have a few announcements. I have a couple of announcements, but they're kind of long announcements, so I want you to pay attention these next couple of minutes because I want to give you some really important information about some exciting things that we have coming up. Uh, Starting in September, we are going to start our fall semester of small groups. And I'd love to see everyone involved with a small group this uh, semester starting in September. We have a few groups here, and I'm going to go over those very briefly. Uh, Tomorrow on our website, on on our app, in our newsletter, uh, you're going to see links on how you can uh, enroll in one of those classes. And it'll give you uh, how much the book is, where they're meeting, um, the times and all of those things, and more detail about each class. But I want to give you just a little overview, if I can, this morning to help. Uh, you know, kind of what's going on. Uh, one of the small groups is going to, um, it's called Not Alone. That's the uh, study they're doing, is Not Alone. The facilitator is Maria Ely. This is for women only. It will be on Wednesdays right here on campus. And it is uh, reminding us that we are made for community. And it's about cultivating healthy uh, friendships and relationships. So that is Not Alone right here. On some, uh, also, Twenty-three facilitator Sarah Holsumback. That will also be on Wednesday nights, right here um, on campus, and it's breaking down Psalm Twenty-three for you, and it's discovering uh, the loving and uh, protecting God that we serve. So, if that interests you, that will be great. There, also the next one that we have is Songs for the Suffering. Uh, facilitator Cassie Jones that will be meeting on Mondays and that is for ladies only um, there that that is a, there's a limited number in that group uh, It's journeying through the emotions of profound suffering so if you have been through something like that in your life that may be a group a great group for you to be involved with this semester also the grave robber Uh, facilitators Richard and Kathy Dixon. They are going to be hosting you at their home this semester on Wednesday evenings. Um, So uh, they're going to be looking at the stories of modern-day miracles and even miracles that we have taken for granted. So I don't want you uh, to miss that one. It's going to be a great, great class Wednesday nights at their home. And then the Thinking Series, facilitator Amy Boyd uh, and Amanda Predorati, they're going to be right here on Wednesday nights, and that group is for the twenties. If you're in, uh, if you're in that twenty age bracket, that group is for you, and they're going to be looking at questions. Uh, tough questions that people are asking today so it's going to be uh, we I'm really excited about this semester Uh, it's something for all different types of people I hope one of those pique your interest and tomorrow you can go online you can go on your app and you can reserve your spot as I said some of these classes there's limited seating in some of those so if one of those you really want to be in in the morning be sure you get online uh, and choose those also tomorrow. We have brand new legacy gear that is going on sale tomorrow. We're going to ask you to pre-order this. Uh, We've got uh, sweatshirts, T-shirts, and hats. Uh, All of the sweatshirts, we will not be ordering extra. So if you want a sweatshirt, you're going to need to pre-order that this week uh, t-shirts go on there you can pay for those hats we have a limited number so tomorrow whenever you're signing up for a small group go online and you can uh, purchase those things in pre-order then we'll have those here for you in a few weeks also just to remind you on september the 5th It's the Sunday of Labor Day. We're calling it Labor Sunday. We will not be having service right here, but we'll be gathered in the park. We're going to have free food for you, games, entertainment, all that stuff. And it's free for all of those who have been laboring with us. We just want to say thank you for being with us another year. And we want to show you some appreciation on September the 5th. So be sure you have that marked. Who's ready for the word this morning? Open up your Bibles with me to Luke. As always, as you're turning there, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness with your tithes and with your offering and giving each and every week. You heard me mention a far flung tin can in the prayer, they are in Peru. Uh, This very hour they are in some unreached groups uncharted territory this morning They're asking for our prayers today and we support them every every month We we we're supporting missionaries and church planners around this world And I want to say thank you for making that possible If you'd like to give today and be part of what God is doing through our giving Our ushers will be at the door as you leave today you can drop it in the bucket You can go online at LegacyRome.com or you can text any amount to that number there Uh, that is on the screen, so be sure that you do that today, and thank you so much for that. Uh, Last week, I started talking about um, a topic called Influencer, and I want to go right where I left off last week. Um, The last part of that sermon about the five to eight minute mark The five to eight last minutes of that, I feel like I was cramming in talking about the court, and I want to talk. I want to go back there and reiterate some things and give you some fresh things. Also, this morning, as we're talking about influencers, and influencers are in our day on social media, they are people with large followings, large gatherings that are looking to them. Uh, They follow them. They'll pop up on your social media sites. Uh, you won't even know it. They'll they'll just pop up, and you're like, how did, I don't know these people. But they are people with large followers, uh, a large following, and usually they are trying to sell something. They're trying to get you to stand with them for a certain cause, um, and and they live up to their name by influencing people in the everyday life. But in this day that we are living in, uh, in life the way it is I don't know about you but I not only want to influence the people around me but I really want to influence I want everything that I do here on earth to influence what is going on in heaven amen I don't know about you but I want every prayer that I am praying I want it to open up a door in heaven every gift that I give to uh, to, to the church and every sow that i see, uh, seed that I sow I want it to open up a window I want when I'm serving I want want it to make an impact on what God is doing in heaven. I want to be an influencer, not in this world, but especially in the kingdom. And prayer is how we do that. Prayer is how you insert yourself into the spiritual matters of your life. Uh, But the problem with prayer is that we think that it's boring and the simple fact that we just don't want to do it. Uh, We see it as being religious. Uh, We see it as a liturgical talk. Um, And we think sometimes, and we feel, I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like you've been praying and tarrying for an hour, and then you look at your phone, and it's only been four minutes. Has anyone ever been there? And you've called on every name of the Lord that you can think of. And it's still only been four minutes. And and, and then we begin to question, is it even worth it, Lord? Do you even Are, are you hearing this? Is this worth my time? And in Luke chapter 18, I, I read this last week, but I want to read it uh, again as I, I'm talking about this parable this morning. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, uh, Jesus is telling this parable. And it says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. He said men ought to always pray and not lose heart. When I'm reading this, trying to give you some revelation, I'm questioning... Uh, Lord what is it that you're trying to say and when when I was reading it this week to me I almost felt like Jesus was acting like he has seen people grow weary in their prayer life he, had, he he was he was acknowledging that that the people really do lose heart when they are praying it's like Jesus is acknowledging that that people are praying and they're seeing nothing happen but 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 he's he's reminding them do not grow weary while you are praying uh, but he immediately he gives this kind of command, this statement to always be in prayer and not lose heart. Then he immediately just almost like a he is just shifting real uh, quickly, and he's immediately taking us into this courtroom setting in this parable. Uh, and he says, "There was in a certain city a judge, verse two, who did not lose who who did not fear God nor regard men." Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge just said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears along with them. Jesus was saying if this judge here who who has said that he don't care about me and he really don't care about you if he will do the right thing for you will not this judge who this judge who gave his one and only begotten son will will he not do the right thing for you? And I won't since I felt like I was rushing last week, I want to reiterate some things this week and kind of give you some new things to build upon as we move into next week. I have a question. How many of you have ever moved? You've moved homes. You've, you've, you've had to box everything up. I, I just want to let you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but moving is of Satan, and moving... <laughs> Moving was created in in the inner wall of hell. I don't know if you know that or not. I think that's what happens to people who will go to hell. You will move for the rest of your life. You will pack boxes, pack U-Hauls, get to your new throne of fire, and then whenever you get there, he's like... That's the wrong fire. you going to move up everything again. I think that's what hell will be like, is moving in the middle of summer. Because don't you know that's when we all like to move. And, and, if, and if, if you've ever moved, you understand that moving is frustrating. It is always frustrating. It's, it's never fun. I don't know uh, anyone who thinks that it is fun. Because it is frustrating because it will always take longer than you thought it would take. Amen. It, it, it's frustrating because you realize that most of the stuff that you have is really junk and that you should never really take it to your next house. Uh, you, 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 it is frustrating because there is always that one piece of furniture, that couch, that washer, that dryer, that refrigerator that you bought extra wide that will not fit through the door. And out of spiritual discernment, you left it there till the end because you did not want to mess with it. And we are tired and we are frustrated and we are hot and we are sweaty and we are hungry. Uh, You want to kill your spouse. And so you take this couch and you are trying to get it through this door that it will not fit through. And you are shoving. You may be using some language that is not appropriate for Christians at this moment. We've all been there and you are pushing and you are leaning in and you are trying to get this piece of furniture through the door and we push and we push and we shove and we kick and then you rip the fabric on the back of the new couch that you just bought and you're like, I don't care, we'll put the back against the wall, who cares, let's just get it out of here and we are exhausted and we are contemplating even leaving that couch for the next owner just so we don't have to move it. And by this time, everyone is testy and everyone is angry. And how many of you have ever needed marriage counseling after loading a U haul? Ask Sarah. I'm like, don't look at me. Do not tell me where to put another box. And when we have walked around, and here we have, we have pushed and pushed and pushed, and we have lost patience, we've lost hope, and we are just sitting here shoving and shoving when it would have. Maybe it maybe would have worked if we would have just walked around and seen that one little thing that was causing it to get lodged. It would not allow it to break through into that room. All you needed was that Phillips head screwdriver to remove that one little knob. All you needed was to pop that door off the hinge for a moment and it could have already been in the new house. But we never took time to walk around and see it from a new perspective on why we were not getting it to get through That door. See, this is a lot like our prayer lives. Whenever you've been praying for something and you keep pushing and pushing, and you're like, I don't understand why it can't come into fruition. I don't understand. I've been praying for a spouse and I don't understand why that spouse is not coming to me in this hour. You've been praying for the lost child and you're like, you just keep pushing and you don't, you cannot figure it out. And here he is saying, when something is supposed to be happening, but it's not in your life. Sometimes you just need to walk around the other side and see why there's not that breakthrough, amen? You need to examine yourself. We need to be examining our own prayer lives. Here in this passage, Jesus is speaking of the necessity of prayer, and he immediately moves into talking about a courtroom. Uh, all So many times throughout scripture, we, we see heaven painted like a court, and I think it is so fascinating, and I want to talk on some of those today. And we know that when Jesus starts speaking about this parable, that he, he starts speaking in parables, that he's breaking down the kingdom so everyone can understand it as I said earlier prayer is is about you inserting yourself into what is happening in the heavens because if I want to affect it if I can shift something in the heavens it will change here on the earth prayer is about being an influencer influencing, influencing what is breaking loose in the heavens because before we can see it on earth we have got to be connecting with God in the heavens. Last week, I said that heaven is all about the legalities. Uh, heaven has its own legal system. It has the way that it operates. Lawyers go to school for years and years to learn about law. They go, they go to learn about the legalities of the courtroom system and how they are supposed to operate. Heaven has its own court heaven has its own legality systems and take note of this that when Jesus starts explaining how to pray and to get results uh, there was never mention of warfare there was never mention of warring there why because there's no weapons in the courtroom if you try to take a weapon into this courtroom you're going to be tackled to the ground you cannot get weapons into the courtroom and this lady she did not have a weapon this lady never spoke to the devil she never, she never pointed her finger at him. Uh, she just went right to the judge. And Jesus was teaching that the heavens are all about this system. And he was trying to get us to take some notes on how this woman got her prayers answered. This lady here said, avenge me from my adversary. She is in the courtroom and she is saying, defend me, save me from the prosecutor. In Job chapter 1, the Bible says, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. It says that he is the accuser of the brethren. He is the prosecutor in the courtroom. Guess what? He stands before God. Every time you come into the throne, he is standing there and he is trying to convince God, you don't want to answer her prayers. You don't know who she is. You don't know what she did last night. He is accusing you. He is bringing up things from your past. He actually... Like the prosecutor, and in Job chapter two, this accuser of the brethren, he says the devil says that he is roaming to and fro. What does that mean that he is roaming to and fro? It means like any good prosecutor, everywhere he goes, he is he is collecting evidence against you. He knows the law, he knows the word. How many of you know Satan knows the word of the Lord? He quotes it in the scripture. Why does he need to know it? So he he can make you break it so he can help you not keep the word. And he's roaming around collecting evidence. Oh, there was a lie. Oh, she was gossiping today. Oh, she failed here. In every area where you failed, every time you lost your cool, Satan is collecting that evidence to hold it against you. Every area where you are not living up to the standard that God has for you, guess what? Guess what? The devil is there and he is collecting the evidence. He keeps records of these things. He keeps records so whenever you come to petition the courtroom of heaven, he will stand there trying to get between you and the judge and say, look, you really? There's no way this person can get a breakthrough. There's no way that you want to answer their prayers. There's There's no way that she can see the miracle. Why do so many people in our society? Why do so many people in the church that believe and have faith in the Lord have anxiety today? It's because they are listening to the prosecutor and not the judge. Why do so many people deal with depression in their lives from their past? Every time their past comes up, they get depressed. Guess what? They may be in the courtroom with the Lord, but they are listening to the devil. And I just want to remind you that the devil is a liar. Everything that he says to you, it is a lie. It is not for your good. And he is constantly trying to get between you and heaven. How many of you have ever been in a place where something just popped up in your mind that you did in your past and you get so embarrassed about it? Guess what? That was Satan. You ever been in a, in a, in a situation Where you were trying to get a breakthrough and you were like, if they only knew what I did. That is Satan. Whenever you're sitting here and you can't even lift your hands because you feel such guilt. That is Satan. Why? Because he is trying to get between you and what heaven has for you that's what that is the way he works and this lady in this parable she said avenge me she was she was saying like something has been stolen from me the promises that you have made for me I'm not experiencing in the, in this season of my life the word that I know you gave me for where I am in this moment in this season I'm not seeing it around me oh god and I'm asking you to go to my enemy and command him to return those things to me listen you need to know know that, guess what? God has given you some things and they are yours. Guess what? You need to know joy is yours. Peace is yours. Deliverance is yours. Hope is yours. A good night's sleep it is yours. Freedom is yours. Grace is yours. Freedom um, um, mercy is yours. So whenever you don't see those things in your life, guess what? God has given them to you but Satan is trying to block something that God is trying to do. Whenever you can't sleep at night, Satan is trying to block something. The Bible says that Jesus is the mediator. He is standing between you and heaven, and he's interceding. He's standing between the prosecutor and the judge for you, and he's interceding for you. He's the lawyer. And when Jesus... Is that rain? Praise the Lord. Just heard it. I felt that. When Jesus, I guess y'all's windows are down or something. It's okay. It's okay. I'll let it pass this time. Camera, get on them. Just kidding. The Bible says that he's the mediator. He's the lawyer. And when Jesus, your lawyer, steps up in the court, he calls for testimony on your behalf. He's your defender. He starts calling people on your behalf to take the stand for you. And the Bible says that he calls upon the testimony of the blood. Whenever Satan comes against you, Jesus in heaven calls the blood to come to your side. That should make you shout this morning. He calls the testimony of the blood. And when the blood gets on the stand in front of the courtroom, the blood testifies to the court. He says, guess what? I was spilled on Calvary. And this guy has been washed in me. His sins, they are under me. And every accusation that the prosecutor has brought today, it is false. Why? Because this guy, he is under the blood. He is under the blood. And the Bible says that they overcame by what? By the blood of the lamb in the court the devil is a liar he is the accuser of the brethren and he's trying to guilt you out of a miracle he's trying to get you to remember every reason why you don't deserve it but in Romans chapter 8 it says there is therefore now no condemnation to which to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for that the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh but the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Listen, the enemy that is trying to prosecute you, the blood of Jesus is a witness against him and for you that everything that he has accused you of is wrong. Why? Because whenever you are an influencer, you know that the blood is my testimony. The blood is fighting for me. There is a bloodline around me, and the devil cannot get in it. It's already under the blood. It's already under the blood. When somebody comes up and gossips at you you say, it's under the blood. Somebody want to come up to you, grouping and complaining because you're worshiping too loud, just say, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. This is the courtroom. But how does it operate? I think to know how it operates, you've got to look at heaven. How will heaven be? What will it look like? What will we do? We all have our own opinion of what it will be like. Streets of gold; the, it, those will be there. the The gates of pearl. But then we have opinions. Some some believe that we will see Paul, Paul and Mama, And some theologians believe you will know nothing that you knew here on earth. That we will have no memories of anything. Some believe that whenever We walk into heaven, we will look to the left and there will be Cupid playing a harp for us saying welcome to heaven. Some believe that we will be served our favorite foods around the clock. But in the book, Daniel is here. And Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament. And he was a prophet that God allowed to catch a revelation, to catch a glimpse of heaven. And in Daniel chapter 7, Verse 9 through 10, he says, I watched till thrones were put into place, and the ancients of days were seated. His garments was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. Listen, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, and a thousand thousands Minister to him. He was saying, there were so many angels, I could not count them all. How many of you are glad that the angels of heaven, there is an angel in heaven that has been assigned to your life? I don't know about you, but I rejoice in that. He said, there were so many angels in this this area that they could not count them all. He said, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Listen, and it said, the court... Was then seated. Hmm. Hmm. The court. Didn't say anything about a harp. It didn't say anything that angels were flying around us. Dropping bonbons in our mouth all day long. No, 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 no. He's painting this court. He said, then the court was seated. And the books were opened. so interesting to think about heaven in like a courtroom. The books were open. I don't know about you, but I read this and I say, what is in the books? I mean, here, we see a court. It said that they were then seated. God is the judge. And the books were open. What is in heaven? These books. Jot down Psalm 139. I'm teaching this morning. Verse 1 through 6. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And are are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind, and you have hedged me before. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to know. It is high, and I cannot attain it. He is saying, God, you know my thoughts before I do. He said, you put a hedge of protection on the behind. Why do we need a protection on our behind? Because how many of you know your behind gets in the way a lot of what God is trying to do? To do. He said, I'm putting a hedge behind you so that your past never catches up with you and hinders you from what God wants to do with you. I'm going to put a hedge in front of you so no mountain can block you from your future that I have for you. And in verse 16, he said, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written. The days of my life. fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. There is a book in heaven with your name on it. Wow. Did you know there is a book in heaven? There is a book with your name in it, the Lamb's Book of Life, and there is a book with your name on it. I cannot imagine what this library looks like. I cannot imagine that card catalog. Can you? You remember those days? Some of y'all, you know what a card catalog is. You remember those days? There is a book in heaven that has Ryan Chase Holson And in it has the days of my life. The word said, you existed in the mind and the heart of God. Before the creation of the earth. He knew you. You were created in the mind and the heart of God. Before he said let there be light. He knew you. Wow. If he knew you then. And there is a book with your name on it in heaven. You've got to understand that you have some power here on earth. That the devil don't want you to use. If you are that special up in heaven. God has given you some power here on earth for you to use. And the devil can't stand it. The steps, the worst is that the steps of the righteous are ordered. How is that? Because whenever you are walking and living a righteous life, you can walk out the plans that he has in that book. This book, it says he will save you, he will deliver you, he will restore you, he will justify you, he will call you, he will fill you with his Holy Ghost, he will pour oil of anointing on you. This is all in your book and God has a plan and a will for your life, but it will be up to you if you experience what's in the book. Wow. Wow. There is a book that is waiting for you to interact with it. Are you seeing this? There is a book in heaven of everything God wants to see in your life. And when he wants to see it, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss one thing. I don't want to miss one page that God has for my life. I don't want to miss it. So now, I come into this court. Let's pull this together. I'm teaching this morning. I come into the court. I come into the throne room of grace. To do what? To make my petitions made known unto him. There is a court before me. There is a prosecutor there. The devil trying to convince everyone in the court, I will not make it. Trying to convince everyone in the court that I'll never be married. Trying to convince everyone in the court that I'm in the wrong. That I, that, that, that I will never be able to stand in front of people. He's trying to accuse you, everyone around you. He's trying to get them. He's, he's trying to block answered prayers and miracles in your life. But I also have a judge before me. And he's telling the court in this word to be seated. And then he's opening up the book. Whenever the prosecutor comes in and says, I don't know if you want this one, he says, be seated. And he opens up his book. The judge doesn't go by what the accuser is saying. He goes by what is in his book. Whenever the doctor says, you've got cancer, if it's not in his book, the blood is saying it's not in his book. If Whenever the devil says he's defeated... Let me open the book. No, no, no. He's not defeated. He's my child. His name is here. Get your hand off of him. That's what, this is what is happening in the heavens. Yeah. So in this courtroom, there is a book of your life, and the judge will deliver a verdict. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God is my judge. I'm so glad I don't have to worry about what you think about me. Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. You can talk about me. God is my judge. You can gossip about me. I don't care. You're not my judge. I'm not going to stand before you one day. I'll stand before the Lord and give an account. There is an open book. The dilemma is not what is in the book. The challenge is getting what is in the book to happen here on earth that's the challenge how do we do that that's why Jesus said pray pray do not lose heart he said pray The disciples are walking, and they're like, teach us to pray. How do we pray? He said, let me tell you, this is why he he said. This is how you pray. This is how you can influence. How did Jesus tell the disciples to pray? He said, pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, you pray. Whatever is in that book, I want to see it here right now. Whatever you have for me up there, I want to see it right here. Jesus was teaching his disciples, you got to be an influencer. You don't say like, Lord, whatever it is you want for me. No, no, no. God, you pray. As it is in heaven, I want it to be right here, right now. God, if fire is burning in heaven, I want fire to burn right now. Lord, if there's a party in heaven, I want there to be a party here on earth. God, whatever it is, I want to influence it. I don't want to miss a thing. God, whatever it is in heaven, whatever's written in that book for me, I want it right here. From the very beginning, God, how do we, Jesus, how do we pray? He said, you need to pray. Whatever's in that book up there, I want to see it right here. Do you see this? We, are, we have the ability to influence when and how we see God's plan for our life unfold. God has given you a key. It's called prayer. To influence the thing you've got to do this morning. Stand up with me. The thing you've got to do this morning is you've got to quit shoving that couch and shoving and kicking and leaning throwing cursing that thing that you're like it's never going to happen and at some point in our life we've got to walk around to the other side and say God I need you to help my prayer life. What can I do, Lord? Why am I not seeing these things come to pass in my life, Lord? Why am I not seeing them come to pass in my life, oh God?